Welcome to the Worship Theology Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeremy Perigo, and in this podcast, I bring in guest theologians, scholars, musicians, Christian leaders, and together we attempt to bridge faith and ministry praxis. Worship Theology is a podcast to fuel and nurture vital discussions on worship, music, and theology. So we're so glad that you've joined us as we think deeply about Christian worship. Today on the podcast, we have Sam and Sarah Hargreaves, who are based in the UK and lead Engage Worship. We're going to be digging into their book, Whole Life Worship, and getting some cool ideas around creating worship that connects Sunday with Monday. Sam and Sarah, it's awesome to be in your presence in the same space. Hey, It's great to be with you. Thank you for coming all the way to uh, England to see us. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, this is much better than Zoom. Absolutely. Um, in your presence, we could literally reach out and touch you. Oh, look. Did it right there, right there. Um, yeah, one of the questions I ask guests when 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 we do these things is about just a memorable moment in worship just so our yeah students and listeners can can connect with you as you think about your life you've been in lots of different worship contexts and even in different parts of the world or parts of Europe what what comes to mind immediately about uh, a memory in in corporate worship the thing i often think about is sam and i are children of the 90s, really, mm. you know, when we had our formative uh, first experiences of God, really, as young teenagers was in the 90s, which was when the Toronto Blessing and the Charismatic mm. Renewal kind of hit the uh, ordinary churches in Europe. And I was in Sweden and, and Sam over in, in England, but I think we got baptized the same, like yeah. we were the same year. Um, and we had the same experience of going, oh, oh, wow, you can actually meet God in sung worship in in sort of being together and, and worshiping and that was totally new and and so I can't pinpoint like one experience but I look back on all those years as a teenager and go I can't I can't deny that that was real and that was really powerful and you didn't grow up in a, a kind of charismatic church well it became initially. charismatic yeah. Yeah, yeah it became charismatic in the in the mid 90s there uh it was just a kind of evangelical free church yeah. in the countryside in Sweden um, but we all the whole youth group were really moved by the Holy Spirit in those in those years but then what what I can pinpoint is uh, I I have a stone on my farm at home that is a thin place and when I climb up there I've always met and been able to worship God and so in in some ways there's this kind of big group festival hands in the air charismatic worship and on the other side the constant has been just sitting on a stone looking at a meadow and just encountering God under the sky in nature, in nature kind of on your own on my solitude. Own, in kind of silence yeah. or crying <laughs> um, and so yeah I hold those two as the kind of my two sort of touchstones of, of kind of learning to worship really yeah. how about you Sam yeah the one is for me is much more recent but um, we did a Pentecost praise service for our whole town in Luton and this is like a thing that has been going on for years but obviously the last two years it's been cancelled and uh, I had the privilege, it was um, a black Pentecostal worship band and I was the kind of token white person playing the acoustic guitar, which was such a privilege to play with those guys. And Sam, you can play, you can... You're very kind. Mm -hmm. A7 flat nine, you've got, you've got <laughs> it. You've got I've, I've, I've gigged with you. I was, I was, you've got it. Well, I was you mostly were, keeping up. I was mostly keeping up. Half diminished, you're there. No. Yeah, well, yeah, they, but those guys, they were, they were killing it. And um, yeah, just such passionate worship. And to see, you know, we live in Luton, which is, a, if you don't know, it's a town in England that has a lot of problems, a lot of poverty, a lot of 
you know, division racially and all those kinds of things. But actually to see the church come together incredibly mixed in terms of races and ages and church backgrounds, but people really loving being back together again. Um, and as I say, for me, you know, getting to be part of that band and it was really loud, it was really exuberant, it was all modern songs. But then there was a moment just before the speaker got up to do the sermon and we just decided, let's just sing Be Still and Know That I Am God a cappella. And it was almost comical because the whole band kind of got back up on the stage <laughs> and then the leaders just started singing Be Still and everyone joined in and it was the simplest thing but it was so powerful to hear, yeah, the church in Luton unite around that. Oh, that's beautiful. And yeah, I can picture during post, post COVID that's, I'm doing air quotes yeah, right now because yeah. who knows, but, but the church coming together after, yeah, people being isolated and lonely for so long, but then also Pentecost, like seeing a, yeah. a kind of memory of, of what that initial Pentecost was of, all people, all nations, yeah. and that's Luton. It's, yeah, exactly. It's so diverse. Yeah. What You both have done degrees in theology, music and worship. Um, Sam, you did a degree at King's, your master's. We both did that. Did I you? did, but mine was in youth ministry. Did so you really? I did. I, did. I didn't I know did. that. Yeah, yeah, so you did yeah. the, the same, yeah, the, same uh, track? Yeah, it's called something like theology and... No, hang on. Youth ministry and theological education. Wow. Yeah. Well, so you you both have studied theology, and, yeah. and again incorporating it with other practices, with music, with mm. with ministry. What what led you to kind of those degrees? Particularly, I think so often in church, and maybe you'll disagree, but there is this divide between theology and worship, where. Mm. Worship is that expressive. Or youth pastor, you think about, at least the American perspective, pizza parties, movie yeah. night, <laughs> video games, yeah. skateboarding, yeah. maybe maybe a little introduction to Jesus, like yeah. a, a gospel proclamation, but not, yeah, doctrine, theology, mm. the, the beliefs of the church. What what maybe led you guys to, to, to kind of fuse some of these things that at least in the traditions we've been talking about are mm. often divided? Yeah, absolutely. I I think for me, I think I feel like a kind of informed practitioner rather than a full-on academic or a full-on, you know. So I think when we're doing what we do, we try to keep a foot in both camps. Mm -hmm. And you see people who go so far into the academic world that they don't actually know what's going on in churches on a Sunday morning or what's going on in the in the world outside their door. But you also see people who get so into the worship world or the music world or the church world that they don't, again, know what's going on, you know, in the outside world or what's going on in the academic and the richness. Or why they do what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think for me, it's, um, it's an understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing is why theology is so powerful. And to me, actually, theology fuels my worship. I find that sometimes if I'm in a really dry period and I, I don't know to kind of worship if I find a really good theological book, like not really heavy, dry stuff, but say like Tom Wright's Surprised by Hope or something like that, that can really fuel my my kind of worship and my discipleship actually. And so so for me, I, I find that, that actually worship and theology, I mean, that, that you know, you can't actually separate them really because you're, you know, you are learning theology when you worship and you are, uh, worshipping when you study theology and mm. when you write your essays and you glorify God. So it's all intertwined. But in terms of those two um, disciplines, theology really feeds my worship. Mm. Um, and I just think it's so, it's more powerful 
to sing and to pray to a God that you, you know, you will never understand, but actually to know a little bit more about why you can't fully understand him and, you know, have some concepts of the mystery of God in your head. I just think that's, that's, a, that's a more powerful place to worship from. Yeah, it's beautiful. We've, we've said the word, word worship a number of times already. Yeah. What, what is worship? Oh. How do you define worship? Do you worship? not know, Jeremy? <laughs> wow, and you're a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Well, we call our ministry Engage Worship, yeah. which we've been doing this for like over 15 years now. And I think initially what was in my head was that David Peterson book. You know that book, Engaging, Engaging with, with God? God. Yeah. And that really struck me kind of when I was in do my undergrad but I think for us it, it is increasingly an engagement with God it's also an engagement with our church community because there's that horizontal level and then it's an engagement with the world around us as well so there's and yeah I think for me that helps because it feels more relational mm-hmm. I mean ultimately it's about you know knowing God and becoming more Christ-like that that's what it feels like to me that was a vague answer, Sam. Thanks, babe. I liked it. I think it set up like, like, yeah, I think in my my tradition growing up, particularly Assemblies of God, like it was, it was relational, but mainly relationship mm. between God and me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, that was the corporate me when we'd sing those songs because yeah. we were within a, a group of people, similar experiences to you, like in the 90s, yeah. having really powerful encounters through music yeah. through prayer with yeah. with my friends at yeah church services but also i think what i appreciate of what what you just said too sam is that you're thinking about those also in the room not just that relationship with yeah. with between yeah. between god and me but also with god's people yeah. Yeah. and that's that horizontal that sometimes in some traditions seems like it doesn't even exist exactly. like you come to worship yeah. close your eyes yeah. low lights fog yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. maybe you're engaging on your own but you're mm. not the people around you happen to be there but yeah. they're kind of incidental yeah yeah yeah. yeah. it's interesting being asked to define worship is almost like saying hey how do you define love mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because that's really you know I feel like what it is mm. and if you are in a place where you're loving God if you if you're really loving God and engaging with God there is like if you don't then if that doesn't lead to engagement horizontally with the people in the room and the people outside of the church then you've kind of lost a big chunk of that you know because God is the God who created this world and who loves this world and you know we can't worship him in a solely uh, just me and God with that is spreading out and, and including the whole cosmos I think. One of your yeah, one of your books that I make students read is called Whole Life Worship. Yeah. Tell me, I yeah, I hear some of that in <laughs> in as you're talking right now, both yeah. both of you. What is whole life worship? Well, I think it's a it's almost become a cliche for people. If you talk about worship, someone will pipe up and say, "Oh, of course, worship is about your whole life. It's not just yeah. about when we gather. It's about what you do." You know, it's Monday. just a clever clogs thing to say. Every, I think every worship conference I went yeah, to yeah, yeah. in the 90s and exactly. early 2000s, exactly. you'd have a, yeah. a kind of sub, an afternoon session yeah, on yeah, worship yeah. is everyday life. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Romans for, 12, 1 and 2. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And for us, like we want to agree with that, but we also want to say, well, actually, let's look at what we do on a Sunday morning 
And how much is that really reflected in our language, in our actions, in our attitudes? And if you look at so many churches, actually, it feels like when you're there, that the hour or the hour and a half or whatever, that that's the real place of worship. So we have a person called a worship leader who leads us in a worship set, which means we sing a bunch of songs or, you know, if you stretch it out, we, we pray or we engage in the sacraments. But it's in that moment. And we have these songs like Here I Am to Worship or You Are Here, Moving in Our Midst. You know, you are here, you're in this place, which, amen, you know, we love those songs and we sing those songs. But the problem is, especially like you get to the end of the service and the leader says, well, wasn't that great worship? See you next week for more worship. Rather than that sense of, oh, when we send you from this place, you're going to be worshipping and it's just going to look really different. So we worked with this group called the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And they asked us to think about this and to, to write a book and to put together resources that help churches engage with, we, we ended up calling them the two spheres. So there's the sphere, which is the gathered worship, which is what you do on Sunday when you gather and you sing and you pray and you receive communion and all that. But there's also the scattered worship, which looks really different. You know, it's not, a, I mean, it's fine to put on a worship song at work or to pray before you start, but actually scattered worship, I think looks far more like, well, how am I treating my colleagues? How am I showing God's love for the poor? How am I treating the planet? You know, how, how does my whole faith work out in my life? To me, that's whole life worship. And so for us, this project was about how can Sundays feed in, you know, the, the gathered worship feed into the scattered worship of our whole lives. And then also, how can that scattered worship feed back into what we're doing on a Sunday morning? So often people don't necessarily feel at home in church and you have people complaining about, you know, not feeling plugged in or not feeling appreciated. And, you know, no one asks about their life Monday to Saturday, maybe. No one, you know, I've been to churches for years and not known what people work with, not knowing what their hobbies are. What matters, especially if you work for a church, is like, can you play the guitar? <laughs> you know, are you able to do the kids' work? And actually, most of their lives is outside of church. So if we can get into a place where they bring their offerings of everyday life into the Sunday morning, into the church, that is a really powerful thing, you know, not only because we then bring our whole selves individually as worship, but the community we build and the more kind of authentic lives we can live before Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that's often something that's missing, basically, and, and would would fill a a need in churches. I can remember you mentioned LICC. I can remember talking with Mark Green mm. about who's yeah helped lead that. Has yeah. been a part of that. Yeah. Um, talking about kind of commissioning and praying for yeah one another, and so yeah. in in churches he were he was involved in, and I could say this relates to mine. You might commission pastors at a youth you know youth group you might have a who wants to who wants to um yeah come forward to receive prayer as a sense of call to serve god in another country as cross-cultural yeah, yeah. minister um yeah maybe occasionally for evangelism or something kind of those those church type roles but mm. when have we prayed for teachers yeah. or when have we prayed yeah. for plumbers yeah. or, or think about the students going away to university i'm just thinking yeah. back now i'm sure i was prayed for at the front of my church when i went off to bible college yeah but my friends who went to study engineering yeah. or teaching they weren't prayed for at the front which is ridiculous because god was sending them to that place as well 
is is yeah why do you think this like the church maybe has become or at least some churches become really divided in this mm. like sunday a holy sacred day which yes yeah, <laughs> christ yeah. rose yeah. on sunday and there's something unique and special and so something we celebrate every week together but also where there is this divide between sunday and monday mm. what's yeah what what has maybe led to that as, as you've been reflecting on I think that this, I mean, LICC, they call it the sacred secular divide. Some people yeah. call it the dualism. Um, and I think you can trace it right back to kind of Plato and then the Gnostics. And then it kind of infiltrates different parts of Christianity. And it's that idea that there are some things that God is really interested in. And there are other things that are kind of secondary. And, and you know, yeah, they're kind of relevant, but they're not really in the heart of God. And to me, that is so different to a kind of biblical spirituality, which says God creates the heavens and the earth, you know, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, you know, the, the visible and the invisible, the physical and the spiritual. Uh, and I think in the Bible, there's this really earthy sense of, no, it's all important. You know, how you treat the alien is important. What you do with your job and what you do with your money is important. What you do with your body, what we do with the planet, all of these things, in the scriptures are important to God, but through various things, through the Gnostics and through then the Enlightenment and, and other things, we are, we find it easier to separate it out. Mm -hmm. We actually had a guy come up to us in a conference and he said, yeah, you know like the, you know, like the rings on the um, Olympic yeah, flag, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, how they're yeah. over all into, he said, to be honest, in my life, they're all separated. And we thought, oh, yeah, he's going to you know, confess here that he doesn't. And he said, and to be honest, that's kind of how I like it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want my football mates over here and I want my church involvement over here. And I don't really want them to interconnect. And we were like, oh, OK. At least you're honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I think even as, as you're talking, I hear some of the, the phrases that kind of fit more under ethics yes. or under yeah. maybe in, in the academy or in, in theological colleges or under discipleship in yeah. the church. How have you seen maybe worship and ethics or worship and discipleship come together? Like how have you seen, seen maybe these circles mm -hmm. that in, in the academy or in the church we put in separate divisions, but actually are, yeah, are they, are they coming together in, in some of the, activities you guys do or some of the services you lead or certain certain churches you've been a part of that are intentionally saying we want what we say to you know yeah. and what we pray what we declare together on Sunday to to be embraced embodied on on Monday and Tuesday yeah well, worship is formative I think mm. and I, I, I think it's partly it's been proven <laughs> I think we have some research that we quote in the book about um mm. You know how actually, you know, the the stuff that we do on a Sunday morning actually forms the the believers' faith more than, you know, what we tell them to believe. Mm. You know, what we sing and what we pray actually forms what we believe about God in our everyday life. Um, and so, in that way, it's really important what we do on a Sunday morning. And if we want, you know, to develop our discipleship, if we want to have a greater understanding of Christian ethic. What we sing and what we pray has to kind of ring true with that. We can't we can't sing that um, I don't know what we might sing like Jesus is the lover of my soul and this is the only thing that matters, 
and then think that people are going to go out and care for their neighbour. Uh, you know, we have to sing and pray something that forms us to believe that God is the God who loves everybody, not just me. What about this this link of gathered and scattered or worship and ethics? Well, yeah, why? Why is it? Why is it important, Sam? <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think partly it's easy to associate, especially modern contemporary worship, with passion, with, you know, emotion. And that's awesome. And I love that. And I think we, we need to keep pushing into that. But we've noticed this thing in a, you know, in, in a contemporary type worship time. You can have this incredibly passionate praise time or worship time and you're intimately engaged and the music's going and it's flowing. And then the music stops and everyone sits down and the leader says, right, now we're going to pray for the world. And suddenly the passion turns off. You know, there's almost like an on-off switch that is involved with having that, you know, keyboard pad going or that guitar riff going. And to me, I, one of the reasons why worship and, you know, what, what you're calling ethics or whole life matters is because I think God is equally passionate about what I do on a Monday morning. He's equally passionate about how I treat the poor or the planet or my neighbour or my family. But we, in, as Sarah says, you know, worship shapes us, but it doesn't shape us in the way a sermon shapes us or a book shapes us. It shapes us really subtly and it's over time and it's cumulative. But if, if we can sing songs or engage in kind of passionate worship that tells us week after week, God cares about these things. God, ca- God is interested in that. I was in a service once and um, the service leader said, turn to the person next to you and talk about where you've seen God at work in the past week. So I turned to this guy and I sort of said some answer about where I'd seen God at work. And then he said, well, you see, the thing is, Sam, you work in the Christian world. I work in the secular world. I have a secular job, so I don't see God at work. And my, my kind of jaw dropped, like he was embodying that sense of God works here, but God doesn't work in my business. Um, And so I think it's absolutely vital that we are, you know, leading worship that has this element. I'm not saying every single song, every single prayer, but we, you know, we said earlier, there's those three elements. There's, you know, our relationship with God. There's our relationship with one another in the church. But there's that third dimension. And that's what Sarah and I have tried to provide resources for and point people towards resources for is how does the heart of God and what we're doing when we're singing and we're praying, how does that connect with Monday morning? And we've got to have those as part of the diet on a regular basis. Otherwise, people are just not going to believe that God cares about that stuff. In that third dimension, like outward focused, yeah. what, what, what's, acts, what's some basic acts of worship that might lean? Again, you mentioned praying for the world, which yeah. churches in many traditions yeah. have had a history <laughs> of that. You go to... St. Paul's Cathedral today to one of the services, they'll pray for different parts of the world yeah. and yeah. church in different parts of the world. Or go to a, a Pentecostal or Charismatic, you might get a time of intercession for mm. Ukraine or other parts of yeah other parts of the globe. You what? might, you might. Although I, I think growing up, there was no praying for the world mm. because we were so sort of, it was all about Jesus and me. Mm. But we often talk mm. about, um, especially the beginning and the end of the service, are quite important pivot points, you mm. know, because the gathering is the time when the kind of scattered worship turns into the gathered. And um, it's a really interesting thing. If you've ever worked for a church as a worship leader or a pastor, you are in that zone and you've been there practicing and you've been there preparing. <laughs> so you're just ready to go. 
but just to kind of give yourself a moment to remember that people are fresh from from their scattered lives of worship and their everyday lives so um a way of just acknowledging where they come from i think is really important there is this sort of cliche um which i i haven't heard for a long time now but people used to say come in to worship and leave your problems at the door um and you know as a kind of encouragement to, to come to jesus i suppose but you know we want to say no don't leave your problems at the door bring them in because actually this is the place to bring your problems and this is the place to bring your everyday lives to god and so ways of drawing people in calling people to worship that acknowledges where they come from that acknowledges that life has been tough you know you don't have to come in with a smile and no problems um, and acknowledging the great things that God has done. You know, God has done amazing things in your week, in your school, in your uh, office. You know, let's let's bring all that stuff as an offering. But then also, right at the end of the service, to acknowledge that people are going to go back to that place and mm-hmm. not say things like Sam was saying, "This is the end of our worship," or "This is now." You know, let's let's have coffee. That's the you know. But actually, to go, no, God is sending you. God is sending you to worship to serve him uh, in your places, to, to, to name some things, not put like the spiritual language that we mm. put on, to not say things like, you know, in your service of God, bring your silver and gold, but to say <laughs> in your office, yeah. uh, uh, you know, in the garage where you're going to go with your money, with your credit card, with your computer, to say those ordinary down-to-earth words, that's where your worship it's going to be now in the next six days. Mm. I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, we do this in the book. We literally step through the journey of a service and there's like, what could you do at gathering? What could you do during praise? What could you do during the offering time? And uh, we often say that we're not trying to get people to change their style. So people could be listening to this and they could be fully liturgical or charismatic or, you know, Bible, free church, whatever you are, you've, no one's got this fully right. You know, this is an area where I think every tradition has got strengths and every tradition's got areas they could press into. But one of the things we say on sort of training days for this is, what's the low hanging fruit? What's the easy win? So it might be like you said about praying for the world. You might pray, have prayers of intercession every week, but you might just be able to go one step further and say, hey, let's find somebody who works in a particular um, industry or a particular sphere of, of, of life and get them to lead the intercessions, but to put a spin on it from education, healthcare, business, you know, retirement, whatever that is. And so that wouldn't be a a difficult thing in that church. Whereas if you're kind of charismatic, you never really do that formal intercessions. Maybe it's about saying, well, maybe it's in the songs we sing. Or if you're not used to learning new songs, maybe you're a hymn singing church. You could say, well, actually, let's take a hymn tune you know, but put new words to it. Um, a really great example is um, Andy Flanagan and Noel Robinson and Graham Hunter um, wrote some words uh, to the tune Abide With Me. Yeah. Um, we seek your kingdom throughout every sphere. Now, we've been singing this for the past few years, <laughs> but it got a lot more traction last year because they made this video, um, uh, which we love the song, so we love that anyway. But actually, they shot it in our hometown of Luton. So it's all the places that we know and they're in the town square and they're in the businesses and the shops and the park where we do an outdoor worship thing. And we're like, yes, this is exactly the vision that we have of whole life worship. And the whole song is like, God, transform, revive 
and heal society. And it's all about, you know, loving God in every sphere. So if you're a hymn singing church, it's so easy to take abide with me, which you already know, and sing those words. Or you might be a church that has a lot of sort of families, children's all age stuff. And again, that's a really easy win because kids don't have a sacred secular divide. You know, when you pray with our kids, they're thanking God for Lego yeah. and the TV show they watched. And, you know, the, you know, they don't have that divide. And so actually, maybe if you're doing like a kid's slot or an all-age thing, that's such an easy place to bring this in. Yeah, that video from Luton. Mm. Is so being there a half dozen times. Again, I don't yeah. live there like you, but it's so meaningful because you mm. see kind of many of the different spheres of society or many yeah. different areas. And I can think of, yeah, you both times of worship with you guys, but also taking some of, of what, well, yeah, what I've learned from you um, is when we're singing like like your song about kingdom come, what it yeah. led to a kingdom come. Yeah. Rich Decas has a similar kind of let God let your kingdom come where we'll put images of yeah. the city. And I know even at, at Dort, a small town Sioux Center, like I reached out to the city and said, hey, do you guys have a few like high quality photos of just right. stuff? And they were just shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Like Again, this is fairly Christian town and like the the lady who was emailing with me I know what church she goes to but we're just so blessed and they sent you know a picture of the fire department and picture of of kids from different cultures playing in the park and things like that and then we as we were singing that song particularly on the chorus the refrain just put those images up and it helped people like go from like let your kingdom come right now so I'll feel feel a little better. Exactly. Um, and again, God wants to engage yeah. with yes. every area of our own personal yeah. life, but also helps us think, okay, we're, we're also praying for the kingdom in yeah. other spheres yeah. of society. And how amazing if, if your kids would grow up in a church like that and sing those songs and see those pictures and maybe believe that the, the fact that I want to be a firefighter that could be a calling from God mm. and I can actually bring God's kingdom in, mm. in my job as a firefighter rather than this kind of pressure or guilt of going, well, if I'm not going to be a pastor, it's a kind of second grade choice yeah. to yeah. go and be a firefighter or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just think all those things are so formative for us as grown-ups, but really for kids as well. Yeah, that's within the reformed tradition that I'm in. There's always this kind of joke around plumbers, like because there is this kind of smashing of the sacred secular divide mm. Abraham you know Kuyperian like oh, yeah. every oh, square yeah. inch yeah, is God's yeah, yeah, yeah. and so there's this joke about plumbers like, yeah, like yeah. they they are displaying God's glory mm. in their in their sphere and yeah. the reality is is when <laughs> when <laughs> you're loose <laughs> loose clogged or yeah, yeah, your yeah. sink's not working your dishwasher like you don't want to call a pastor no, no, <laughs> or really someone yeah. with theology degrees yeah, yeah, yeah. like and that's not again not to degrade plumbers my dad works in kind of that that industry like it's actually to say these are important like our communities it it enables those jobs firemen you know firewomen like nurses doctors those uh, teaching are actually helping reform society are helping display god's glory and we sometimes forget that on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, and your example there of using that song, but just putting those images and just that little instruction from the front, right now, let's sing this out over. It's That's a great example of 
it doesn't even have to be a new song. It doesn't even have to be a whole new lyric. We don't have to have necess- I mean, you can have lyrics about, you know, God of Concrete or whatever. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's legitimate. Yeah. But for some people, that's a step too far. But say, take a song you already know. Even a song I, I was talking about, you know, you are here. What if you took that song that you've sung and said to people, right, just in the last time we sing this song, picture where you're going to be tomorrow morning, you know? And imagine yourself, you're caring for that person by their bedside, or you're in your school, or you're in your business, or you're in the park. Now sing that song with that place. God, you are here moving in our midst tomorrow morning. And so sometimes that's that's the way forward with that it's kind of thing. It's just a reframing. Reframing, mm-hmm. yeah. What often I, I hear is particularly you're, you're, we're talking about, about, about worship, and often we think about worship with with our ears, like we're singing or we're listening to a sermon. Some of these things we've just said, the video you mentioned, um, kind of the images I said, mm. are pushing beyond just our hearing. Why, why is that also important in this kind of idea of whole life worship where we're using other senses mm. or where you guys are involved in kind of park church and mm. it's sometimes very tactile yeah, too, yeah, like yeah. your worship is touch, which again, yeah. growing up in my tradition, it was singing and yeah. listening to a sermon and yeah. maybe pray, maybe pray. Yeah. Well, it but, turns out that God made us with more than one sense. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. So I think he's kind of involved in that. Um, and, you know, our churches are full of different people with different gifts, with different learning styles. And um, we were talking on the way here, actually, about uh, there's, there's often a lot of talk about how, oh, it's hard to engage men in church. Mm because they don't want to stand and be all touchy-feely and sing songs for 40 minutes. And I think maybe growing up and being a sort of charismatic worship leader, I was a bit down on that. I was like, well, they just need to learn. And actually, standing and singing for 40 minutes is where it's at. Mm. And actually, to learn more about worship and learn that, no, no, not just everyday life can be worship, but, you know, building the staging or, uh, you know, going for a run with that neighborhood running group or you know that can be worship if you do it for the glory of god and in the in the manner of jesus and so even in your sunday worship to do things that use all your senses uh i just think you're teaching yourself that you know if you're if you're holding a rock something really simple holding a rock to pray about your burdens on a sunday morning when you pick up a rock in your garden on Tuesday, that will have a, a more, you know, further meaning and, and will kind of play into your uh, mm, life yeah. and, and your discipleship. And, you know, it is, we are, we are whole people and it's such a limiting thing to say, no, no, now, now we're in church and we're, we're just going to sit still. I mean, it's part of the sacred secular divide of, of believing that our bodies are bad yeah. mm. and we need to do, kind of deny anything about our bodies. Whereas, no, no, God, God made your bodies and, you know, he loves to see you use them for his glory. I think. Sam, this is, I mean, you, this is something you've been lecturing on, teaching for a long time now, this idea of kind of alternative worship, mm. maybe, maybe is one of the fruits of the emerging church, which yeah. emerged, but it's also something very ancient, bread, wine, worship, like yeah. anointing with oil. Again, those aren't just modern phenomenon, like this kind of tactile. Yeah. How have you seen this like impacting local communities, like this idea of more tactile worship, more creative expressions, mm. more use of visual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I think firstly, it releases more worship leaders because ultimately, at the moment, if you say I'm a worship leader, people go, oh, right, you probably play the guitar or the piano or you sing. But if you can say, I'm a worship leader and I mostly lead worship through writing poetry or taking photos or putting together installations or helping people do something, you know, with their bodies or a meditation or that suddenly opens up the field. Um, and I love that the part, the church that we're part of, we're increasingly asking more and more people to be involved on a Sunday morning and using a much wider variety of gifts. Um, but also, it, as Sarah says, it connects with just different learning styles in the congregation. So it's not unspiritual to just not be that into singing. You know, it's, it's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. <laughs> it's, it's just a style. Just how that person's wired. And we're so good at kind of going, well, this is what I like. Therefore, that's the holy way. And probably what you do is, is substandard. But actually, as you say, let's draw on history. Let's draw on Jesus. You know, the one act of worship that he expressly gives us is break some bread, taste it, smell it, touch it. Um, he also, you know, kneels down and washes people's feet. It's very tactile. So, yeah, using these different things is going to connect with different kinds of people. I mean, a really simple thing that um, we go to a church, our, our vicar, Grace, she instituted a few years ago is um, an act of lament, which for a while they were doing every week. And basically everyone would be given a piece of torn out newspaper, um, which I know I've talked to Americans. Apparently, no one has newspapers anymore. Uh, <laughs> used Sioux to be Center, a Iowa, we still do okay. where I'm at. But okay. yeah, it's, a, it's a printed way of reading news. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's from, from the olden days. From the olden days. We still have, there's still lots of catalog, like newspapers, local coupon kind of oh, catalogs. Right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, sometimes yeah. have little yeah. bits of little bits of local yeah, news. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in, you know, enculturate this for wherever you're at, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what they do is they give out these torn newspapers and she just says, this represents something you've struggled with this week. So you don't have to fill it with like loads of, you know, even the word lament is quite, quite a complex word. Yeah. It's hard to understand, but just like something you've struggled with this week or something that's made you sad this week. And then just think, look at it in your hand and do what you want with it. You can scrunch it up, you can tear it up, you can write something on it, but then just bring that paper to the front. And uh, she normally played... Um, a simple kind of Teze chant over the PA. So it's very low tech in terms of, you know, you don't have to have a whole musician team for it. Just bring it up and then she would say a, a short lament psalm to close that time. But it was such a good multi-sensory way of bringing something that you'd struggled with in the week. But again, acknowledging that on a regular basis before God, that God cares about that and having a physical element to that. I, I've seen particularly, yeah, both working with you guys in different context and also you know as Angela and I have led like particularly that response to the word or to the message mm. kind of is that time in some churches where you sing a song and quick as quick as you can yeah. and then try yeah. to get out but to yeah. to leave time for a corporate response and to think creatively tactile like about mm. you know rocks I mean that's mm. very you mentioned that like I can remember um yeah I, I a lecture you did, I think it was Phil Togwell, had us bring law, who's from 24-7 prayer, like yeah. bring rocks up and create a monument together. Yeah. And another time, like thumbprints yeah. on the yeah. cross like, yeah. that you had us do. And those like are seared in my memory yeah. of a response to yeah. the, the it's it's not just the artistic act or the, the corporate expression, but it's also the meaning of that moment mm. and that it was was corporate that are seared into my mm. memory where then mm. I know 
hundreds of other times where we've responded in a song. I don't remember the yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. also, it, it's it's such a fresh way to help create meaning or to yeah. kind of embody yeah. the theology of what we've just been maybe yeah. discussing in the sermon or other parts yeah. of the service. Yeah. What what does this kind of more visual and tactile um, view of worship show us about God? Mm-hmm. Well, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, you know, and Jesus, you know, takes on human flesh and is embodied. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think we can get away from it. I think that the idea that God's only interested in the spiritual is... is what is spiritual? Well, exactly, you know, and so it, to me, it shows me that God is interested in every aspect. And although I know that in my sort of head theology, it still takes a while to learn that in your heart theology. You know, if you're, you know, stood at the sort of the sink you know once again doing the dishes and thinking you know and then to sort of think hang on a minute the earth is the lord's and god cares about me doing the dishes you know i'm going to do that unto the lord and as a service to my family it it changes your whole perspective and i think you know simple things like you know i've i've done we've done responses where maybe the talk has touched on you know how we use our phones you know as a discipleship issue so literally getting people to hold their phone in front on their hand and say a prayer holding their phone it's going to change how you view your phone or you know we've done things where we've said (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was pretty much the cutting edge of discipleship (laughs) in 2022 right how you deal with your phone um or you know things like um writing on a sticker and putting it in your shoe you know the shoe that you're going to wear on monday morning so that when you pick up your shoe ah you remember you know how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or um but yeah, I mean, you said, what is to say about God? And isn't it amazing if we can use more multisensory ways of worshipping? See, I'm back to the kind of kids. Yeah. But that's kind of important to me. And they can grow up knowing that God is a God who cares about your tiny things and your physical things and your, you know, your body. And, you know, I, every all our things are kind of linked up with kind of body issues or, um, I don't know, greed, lots of things that we don't really talk about in the church is because we haven't really reflected who God really is. And if we, you know, create um, worship spaces that show us who God really is and that Mm. he cares about what you do with your money, that he loves you, you know, every inch of your body, every cell of your body and you don't need to hide it or uh, deny it you need to bring it to God I just think a much much healthier way to grow up for kids in the church Mm. where they have a much more kind of holistic idea of being human you Mm. know and from an evangelistic point of view if you come from a totally unchurched perspective it's a really strange thing to come into a church culture that denies that you have a body or denies that you have uh, eyes to see and mm. fingers to touch, you know, because that's not who we are as humans. But if you come in as an unchurched person to to church where you get affirmed as a human being, uh, you know, you can preach all you want about Jesus, but when you get to experience it with your hands and, and you know, mm. with your body and, and hear and see and smell, you know, I think that's a real, real true encounter of who God is. I love it. Like it's, oh, I love. To, we can talk for another hour on this, but like, just yeah, what it means to be human, and mm. how sometimes in 
corporate worship, it's worship can be designed in ways that only speak to certain types of humans. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where it becomes mm. a problem. Like, yeah. we're, particularly as leaders, we're yeah. severing some of that horizontal aspect yeah. or our role in helping others connect with God. Yeah. And so people that are differently abled, people yeah. who, yeah. Um, yeah, you said earlier, just aren't yeah. into music that yeah, much. Yeah, and again, yeah. It, yeah. in some ways it's universal, and, but yeah. there's people who, mm. yeah, don't sense God's presence yeah. when they sing. It's yeah. weird, <laughs> like, but it's true. And, yeah. And, and yeah, others yeah. who sense God as they, yeah, work and engage. And so I think it's so powerful to think about how can the acts of worship actually connect with our theology, like our, mm. our real belief of yeah. what it means to yeah. be human and also what it means yeah. to worship the creator yeah. and, of, and of what, the cosmos. What yeah. we actually believe about church, because I think we believe something about church that, yes, the church is for everybody and we are one body, many parts, and we are all different and we can preach about that. But then it comes to the corporate, so worship, the sung worship and the prayer, and it's catered to one part of the body. <laughs> you know, there's only, it's mm. only really the heart. Yeah. You know, the hands get nothing to do in that 40 minutes. Yeah. And we saw it in the pandemic, didn't we? How people thought, oh, it's no problem because we can just put all of our singing and all of our preaching onto a video and you can just sit completely motionless on your sofa and get exactly <laughs> the same experience. And actually we're like, no, we miss the physicality. We miss the touch. We miss the, the sounds all around us. We miss, you know, and so we, we tried, to, Sarah particularly tried to create some, we call them Zoom physical prayers you know, just where you use your body and you either clench your fists and release them or you put your arms out just to try and bring a little bit of that physicality back. But actually there's no, you know, there's no substitute for us gathering in a room together. Mm. Um, but we need to learn from that. Now we're gathering again. You need, We need to not just do the presentational thing mm. or the one, you know, well, we're going to assume that you all just like music or you all just like this one way of communicating. We need to actually start to broaden it out and find out who's in our congregation, yeah. what, what connects them with God, what could they help lead? Yeah. You know, that to me seems much more holistic. Yeah, uh, if 100% of your church loves music and are a musician, just go with music. That's yeah. fine. Don't force something that isn't there but most likely you're going to have people in your church who've got a whole range of gifts that you don't even know about and once you start scratching the surface you realize oh you're a photographer why are you not putting the pictures behind the words yeah. why, are, oh, we, why you know, are we paying one pound 99 exactly we can have local pictures that you've taken and yeah. oh you're a really excellent teacher why don't you do you know, a kid's talk here or, you know, all those different gifts that maybe you don't know if you don't scratch the surface or if you're always just looking for musicians. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel as, yeah, as I've talked about your book and even we've taught some students, one of the struggles they have with that third dimension of outward focus is a fear of worship becoming too ordinary mm. um, huh. as you're connected with, mm. like, there's a sense of worship is an ex an appetizer of the feast to come. Yeah. Uh, it's an experience of heaven on earth. Mm. Um, even li listening back to your Pentecost service of seeing yeah. like all the nations gathered in Luton. Yeah. Like is, yeah, is there a, a is that a, a real fear? Do you think <laughs> like, can, yeah. can, can we kind of lose the, as we smash this sacred secular divide, <laughs> do we lose something about, Holy Communion, yeah. or yeah. Sunday as a 
a special, unique day? Is there a sense of worship maybe becoming too ordinary? I think that's a really fair question. And I think we're a bit, Sarah and I are sort of both and people. So we want to say not that or that, but, you know, God is holy and other and distant and transcendent, but he's also close and incarnate and imminent. And actually the best theology is where you hold those things in tension. Mm. You know, a drum only sounds cool because you've pulled, you've stretched the skin over two points or a guitar string is only good because you've pulled it tight over two points. And so holding tensions like transcendence and imminence is really vital. So you're right, Jeremy, that actually one of the great things about either a very beautiful Eucharistic service or a really awesome worship band yeah. is that they lift your head and you go, wow, there's more to, you know, than just the, just the day-to-day. But I really feel you have to hold that tension because otherwise it's just heavenly. It's not rooted. Ours, it's, without being a no, proper do. theologian here, I also think... You have two, a, de- two degrees yeah, in theology. Yeah, I don't feel like that counts. Um, <laughs> There's definitely a slight misunderstanding of heavenly as Amen. well, yeah. of yeah. heaven. You know, I don't think scripture at any point says that this stuff that God has intricately made, you know, the plants and the fruits and the the sky and the clouds and all these things that we actually love, uh, that that's just going to be washed away. That's not what the Bible says. Mm. Uh, the Bible says there will be a new heaven, new earth, yeah. and a renewed earth, not a let's kill this thing and build something that's totally different that just involves standing in, in awe. And, you know, that the, this work we do is going to continue into eternity. And, you know, the, the, especially like if you look at the Old Testament visions of, mm. of the future, of, you know, you'll that's have your own fig tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you will sit there and enjoy the work of your hands. And, mm. you know, it will be work that is, is satisfying. Not this kind of difficult work that we're struggling with now. And so uh, some of the issues is to do what we think is heavenly. And if we think it's a total separation from the earth that we have now, we've misunderstood, you know, God's intentions for the earth. And I think that maybe, uh, yeah, gets me thinking back to both the fall and before the fall. Like Mm. the original temple or the original worship space was... Not a theater, no yeah. stage, no <laughs> lights, no speaker. Yeah. Yeah. It was a garden. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, husband and wife and God, like yeah. a family yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and God. Yeah. And that that was good. Yeah, like it, that was, was, it was very good, that I was think. A, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but that space and that, yeah, it may, if we'd reshape our worship both in a, in a way that reflects the future kingdom or even the Mm. original design Mm. it may look sound and feel a little different than we we work on sundays appreciate you guys so much i have one question that that i ask that comes from one of my students you guys remember last question but do you remember back to the future you said 90s earlier yeah Yeah. do you remember that the delorean go back in time (laughs) if if you were this is for both of you if you were able to jump in that delorean go back back to talk to yourself in kind of your early 20s as you're getting started in life and ministry family studies what what's something you'd you'd tell yourself mm. such a good question it's a really good question if you could meet yourself mm. hopefully that wouldn't break um, the time continuum no. <laughs> destroy it, this will just mess the with everything i mean I, I do think like 
you you are a particular character when you're in your early 20s and oh my goodness do we need those people yeah. who are totally passionate and and somewhat binary in their you know idea of what's right and what's wrong but i i would tell myself just to listen to people a bit more mm-hmm. you know in the words of uh, Aaron Burr talk less smile more <laughs> uh, from hamilton but seriously like i think we're so and and you know we love 20 year old experts who who you know know everything you know and i think we need people like that but actually to listen to people from different traditions and to have an awareness that yeah i'm right but you're right too and just understanding each other but i think that just comes with comes with age as well but listen to people i think it's really good what would you tell 21 year old sam gosh i think what one of the things god's been trying to say to me recently is that he's more interested in what he's doing in me than what he's doing through me. And I think for a long time, I was worried about my output, what I was leading, how I was being seen, who I was helping. And actually Jesus, you know, spends 30 years of his life growing, doesn't he? Being being developed and then three years of ministry. Um, and I, yeah, I would want, I know for me, but also for young people that I'm trying to mentor or, you know, to say actually God wants to work in you and what he does on the inside then flows out in what you do in the everyday. It's beautiful. Whole Life Worship is the, yeah, kind of the book we've been talking about, but share, how can people also just get in touch? You have loads and loads of free resources. Yeah. How can, for worship, how can people find out about that? Yeah, it's engageworship.org. Um, as you say, there's about, I think, four or 500 free resources on there you can search for them by theme or by lectionary week or bible verse or whatever it is you media. want to do uh, yeah by the kind of media that they are as uh, a whole range of different video you know prayer stations uh, meditations all, all the kind of stuff you would want and then we've also gathered those together in what we call church service packs and done things specifically on themes like lent and advent and easter um, so people can can check those out and we are on facebook and instagram and Twitter apparently. as well, yeah. Apparently, we have some some young colleagues, uh, Timo and Gemma, that mostly deal with all that that stuff that we don't understand. But that's just at Engage Worship as well. And those, yeah, those particularly those resource packs too are great for all ages too. And mm. I, I can think of right now in churches in our our community are all age. They don't have a lot of you know kids church, and that's very intentional. Yeah. But often the kids are on their parents' phone or yeah. just coloring Disney princess books. Yeah. That's those yeah. are my kids. But yeah. your yeah, the, your resources gives both corporate activities but also sometimes worksheets that are connected, kind of ideas that are connected yeah. Yeah. with the theme yeah. of yeah. the service that draw on some of these things we were just talking about, whole life worship mm. and yeah. alternative forms. Yeah. Love you guys so much. Thanks for yeah, yeah the for opportunity to just to uh, hang out and chat about worship. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for listening today and a special thanks to the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship for their support of this podcast.